The following podcast is presented by Ensign Services, Inc., a company engaged in the business of providing contracted for administrative and back office type support services to post-acute healthcare clients. Ensign Services provides accounting, human resources, compliance, legal, risk management, information technology, training, construction support, and other such miscellaneous services to its clients. These contracted for services are available to be utilized at the sole discretion of its clients. References within the podcast to the company and its activities, as well as the use of the terms we, us, its, our, and similar terms used during the discussion are not meant to imply that Ensign Services, Inc. or the Ensign Group, Inc. has any direct operational control, supervision, or direction of the independently operated post-acute healthcare entities. Greetings, Earthlings. Oh, sorry, you don't like that intro. Welcome. Hey, hey Ryan. Greetings. It's good to be here. We can just keep it casual, man. We don't I, have to... Thank you, Clayton. We can keep it casual. We I can. struggle with the intro so much. Let's just keep it casual. That's right. I'd like to welcome everybody to a, another recording of our Raising the Leadership Standard podcast. It's good to have you back. Seems like I've done these with a few other people. I know. And, uh, I didn't like I mean, I liked the podcast. I've been cheating on you. You have been. I've been, I've been missing being part of the podcast, so I won't lie, Clayton. I'm obviously joined with uh, Clayton Christensen. Yeah, that's today. me. I'm Clay. <laughs> uh, one of the uh, Clayton, one of the first focus books on this organization was "Good to Great" by Jim Collins. Yeah. In it, I know that he has uh, data that that led to what he comes to call level five leaders. Mm -hmm. So maybe if you don't mind, you could start by explaining to us what a level five leader is and really how it differentiates, for example, from uh, a level four leader. Yeah, and I think I should point out too, uh, people misunderstand this. Some people think we've sort of formed our, our model and our organization around this book, Good to Great. And the reality mm -hmm. is the book just sort of spelled out what we believed, what right. the, the principles that we thought, and we loved what it what it spelled out. And I and I think you're uh you make a good point because the way Collins does this book, a lot of authors what they do is they'll have a theory and then they try to support it with data. Mm -hmm. It's not what Collins does in in Good to Great. What he does is he he gets an entire team. I can't remember. He calls them the monkeys or something like that. And and th this entire team to go and just follow data wherever it will lead them. And and there were so many things that they sort of had these preconceived notions, what they expected to find, but mm -hmm. that they didn't. Uh, and in some cases, they found the opposite of what they were expecting to find. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, where that's where you have a theory about leadership, for example. You, you sort of expect you talk about level five and level four leaders, a level you sort of expect a level five leader to be a larger than life personality. They're they're famous and they're on TV and they're so good at getting up in front of their teams and motivating them and getting them going. Right. And, and it turns out that those tended to be level four leaders. Hmm. And the level five leaders, and the, and those leaders were determined by the statistics of the organization, you know, mm -hmm. getting much higher returns and, and much better performance. The level five leaders tended to be more quiet and less well-known. Mm -hmm. And that, see, see, here's another interesting differentiation. A level four leader shows up, they do amazing things, and they get amazing results, mm -hmm. and then they leave and things fall apart. And they point to that and say, see what a great leader I was? <laughs> Does that terrible. make sense? Yeah, totally. And, and, and by the way, a lot of us, I mean, sometimes we do that. We, yeah. we justify how great we are by we elevated it mm -hmm. and we left and it all fell apart. And, and that's how we know that we're great. Mm -hmm. Right? And, and, but a, a level five leader 
is different. They don't make it about themselves. So a level five leader, uh, they tend to come and they turn things around, but when they leave, things continue to improve. Mm. A big, that's a big that's a big difference yeah the trajectory and, and think about why that would be with a level five leader it, their focus isn't on themselves it's not on their ego mm. the focus is on the organization so they're obsessed with succession planning they're obsessed with with having the right leaders because it's not about feeding their ego mm-hmm. a level four leader is ambitious but it's really for their own success and their own ego. But a level five leader is, is while quiet, is also very ambitious and driven, but not for their own ego or not for getting their own name out there. They're just obsessed about the success of the organization, right? So that's why a level four leader doesn't care as much about succession planning. If, you, you know, if you're listening and you're somebody that thinks, boy, I really don't think a whole lot about succession planning, it's probably because you don't care enough about the organization after you. Right. And that's a sign of a level four leader. If you're somebody that's obsessed with succession planning, that's a good sign of a a level five leader. Right. So, you know, a level four leader sometimes might even like that things fall apart, but because they, they want the organization to be successful for so long, they don't make it about themselves and they push it out. It's, does that kind of make sense, that differentiation? Yeah, no, that really does. That that helps. That does make a ton of sense to me. Uh, I, I've noticed, too, when when you're talking I, a lot, when we're recording these, I nod a lot at you. And that's, that's absolutely worthless. <laughs> I'll for just the, comment. Uh, Ryan is now <laughs> nodding. Ryan agrees with what I'm saying. Um, OK, that does make sense to me, though. So really uh, what you're saying, then, is that level fours tend to be famous because it really it really is all about them. Uh, level fives are a little less well known because they don't make it about themselves. You're, you're saying they, they kind of push out the credit and focus on others and instead of making it on yeah, themselves. Yeah, right? and there's a lot of level fours. I mean, they, did, they, they, they thought the people that were going to be level fives that were so well-known, and they, they said they tended to be level fours, and they're lo- the level fives they discovered really they had never heard of. See, uh, you know, when something goes right, a level four leader is really good at taking the credit. Mm-hmm. Look at what I did. And they, Lee Iacocca is sort of famous for this. He's an example they use in the book. And he turned Chrysler around and he was given all this praise. And, but the problem with Lee Iacocca is he started to believe the press clippings, all the great things Mm -hmm. that they were saying about him. He's like, oh. I must be pretty great because look at all the things that it's, it's uh, one of my leader developers uh, in a different organization uh, gave me advice. And I, I really, he says, don't, They'll say great things about you. Don't believe the press clippings. Mm. Don't believe. Just don't buy into those. Don't don't soak it up. Don't bask in that sunshine. Don't have it be about your ego. Mm. And and that's the problem that happened with Lee Iacocca. He he sort of falters and he starts to starts to do talk shows and lots of interviews and he he stopped leading the organization mm-hmm. and and more was sort of basking in his fame. And then things started to fall apart hmm. because it became about him and credit and pride of authorship started to matter. Um, I mean, think about that. And we'll, we'll get into this a little bit later. But if someone gets credit for something you've done, does that bug you? <laughs> right? I mean, it, that, that it bugs me. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest. Yeah. yeah just, it doesn't make me happy. Imagine you've worked really hard on something and now you're in a meeting and somebody's praising this project <laughs> and they say, hey, great job, Connor, for this. And, and you're and you're thinking, wait a second. That's actually happened a few I times put, now. That's a great example. Thank I, you. Is that true, Connor? Yeah. It's not in his <laughs> he's, he's nodding as well. So. Yeah, I'll take 
and and you know that's that's because i care too much about my ego see this is the window in the mirrors right when when things go well a level 4 leader will look in the mirror and be like hey way to go buddy right <laughs> they're they're point they're, and and when things go well for a level 5 leader they look out the window and they do this genuinely, not not lip service, right. but they they look out the window and say, man, I'm just I'm honestly lucky that I have this team. Right. They they recognize the team success. Uh, mm. And it's probably why level five leaders and this is true statistically, level five leaders tend to incentivize better. They're, they're just better at sharing the wealth because they have a genuine acknowledgement of all the effort that it took to get there. They tend to have lower turnover. And they have much more loyal and engaged employees. That makes sense. If you're level five. And and the opposite is true as well. So when things go wrong, what does a level four leader do? He looks out the window. Right. He's like, if you guys would just listen to what I'm saying, we'd be successful. That's that's called a tortured genius. <laughs> right. I, I've been right. a tortured genius, right? Where if everybody would just listen to me, we'd succeed. We We're failing right. because of all the people around me. Right. That's the right. torture genius. And that's what a level four leader does. But a level five leader, when things go wrong, looks in the mirror and says, boy, I, I really failed here. No, that was that was that was a great explanation. Thank you. So you shared Lee Iacocca as a level four example. Yeah. Uh, but what about a level five? Yeah. You know, he gives lots of examples of level five leaders and and most of them I had never heard of. But mm-hmm. I, I, let me share one that you have okay. so that you can kind of picture this a little bit better. And probably one of the few, if not only level five presidents ever. And 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 I would put, I would say Abraham Lincoln. Okay. And, and think about what I said, a, a level five leader is Lincoln was quiet. Mm-hmm. Almost socially awkward. He's he's known for that. That uh, mm. you know, the, all the books that I've read on him, uh, just so interesting. A team of rivals and and the things that he would do. He he made decisions that often made him very unpopular. In fact, mm. his his uh, polls that would come out during his presidency had him wildly unpopular. The country was falling apart largely because of decisions he was willing to make. But again, he was driven so much less by ego than any politician I could imagine today. I, I've just not seen it. Right. He he had a different vision for the nation, and he paid a huge price, um, even with his life eventually. But mm-hmm. But the nation is so much better for it today. It improves so much. And if you contrast that with leaders today that leave office— and 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 think about what they say. Well, this state was so great when I was here and right. I left and <laughs> right. everything fell off. Right. They're they're right. unknowingly touting that they're level four leaders. Right. That's a gr- great example. That's a great example. <laughs> and 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 it's you know, they're they're almost bragging right. about hey, their I'm level, level four. fourness, right? And uh look, here here's what the great conclusion of what a level five leader is. Okay. And it's these two things. This this is how he he says, look, it's it's an ironic blend of a professional will. Just a drive that is is unsurpassed. They're obsessed. But remember, not obsessed about their ego. Right. They're obsessed about the organization. One of the lines that he uses in it that I, you know, always hope Christopher doesn't read is a level five leader is willing to fire his own brother <laughs> for the success of the organization, right? Because it's not about his relationships right. and his it's it's all about what will make the organization better. So a, a unique blend of a professional will. And then two, personal humility. Right. 
That was one of the things that really surprised him. And I've seen so many studies since then, Harvard Business Review, the power of humility, not serving the ego, but instead serving the organization as a whole. I'll have to get that uh, page number from you so I can send yes. drop a little note to Christopher. I, I've tore it out of my uh, book. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. That's, that is really what I want to spend the rest of the podcast uh, talking about with you. Uh, we know drive or professional will is, is truly essential. Yeah. Uh, and that's for another time. And you, but you can't, yeah, you can't ignore that. Correct. It can't just be humility, Correct. but the humility is so important. And we talk all the time about how important humility is in leadership. And, you know, that's what I would really like to spend the rest of our time talking about. Yeah, and it makes sense that you'd want to talk to me about it as the expert in humility. Uh, <laughs> the I, true master of humility. I, yeah, I'm really, really good at You're being humble. You're the most humble, humble person yeah. to ever walk the face of the planet. <laughs> yeah, I'm just glad you recognize that. <laughs> oh, I do. Look, I mean, you know, you can crack those jokes, but the reality is, is not many friends, let alone business colleagues, mm-hmm. are quick to confront arrogance. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're in a room, okay, you know, point to someone in this room on your team that you feel is arrogant. You're probably not going to have a lot of willing people to point the finger. And it's a good point. And, and, you know, that it's not something that that we're quick to confront. Mm -hmm. And if you're arrogant, you're certainly not eager to admit it. (laughs) Very true. Right. Very true. And and so there's a quote from Oliver Wendell Holmes, and he said, humility is the first of the virtues for other people. Right. Which is (laughs) that's just they need to get they need to be more humble. But it's not something. But the reality is nobody is naturally humble. Becoming humble is a hard, arduous process. It Mm -hmm. requires effort. Um, Lately, in some of my trainings, I've liked to ask the question or or even in interviews, hey, why do you want to be a leader? Mm hmm. I stumped people with that question. They're like, oh, I never thought of that. I just thought I was supposed to progress. <laughs> to do that. You know? and, there, and there tend to be two general responses. The one is, I've worked really hard and I've earned this. And I want to be rewarded for my hard work. Hmm. That's about me. Yeah. Right? It's got to be pretty telling to hear that response in an interview. And, and, and you, but nobody would really freely admit to right, that, right? right? They're looking for the answer. That, <laughs> right. but, but I think if we genuinely ask ourselves that question, there's a lot of people that say, yeah, I've paid my dues. I've mm-hmm. worked really hard. I've, I've earned leadership. And by the way, people that mm-hmm. tend to answer that way also tend to be the people that aren't willing to do the hard things that leadership requires, like have tough conversations, mm-hmm. accountability discussions, hold, you know, uh, the things that we don't like doing as leaders, right. the, the meetings, they're less willing because, hey, I've arrived. I don't right. want to have right. to do that right. stuff. I'm, but, but the other answer is that it's not about you. You you feel like you can help others be successful mm. and and you want to have a chance to serve. And this leadership position is a real opportunity to serve. And, and people in this category tend to be much more willing to do those hard things, Makes right, sense, that yeah. leadership requires. They, they're more humble leaders. And as I said before, and this is one of the signs you can tell if, you know, your humility, hum, humble leaders were found to be better at, at incentivizing. Mm. They were statistically shown to have lower employee turnover and higher employee satisfaction and higher engagement. That is something that statistically follows 
humble leaders. Well, so maybe you can back up and help me understand humility a little bit better. Um, we keep describing humility as a strength, and I think the word, or sorry, the world more sees it as an acknowledgement of weakness. Yeah, than some, don't you sometimes think of it? And and maybe we should understand that we we think of humility as oh, I'm not very good at this. Right, right. I'm not very good at. You're better than I am, right, and I'm right. not as good as you. And and sometimes that comes off as fake and insincere. But even when it's sincere. I don't think that's humility. See, all those statements I just made, Mm -hmm. you're better than I am at this. That's a statement of comparison. Hmm. And and humility doesn't deal in comparison. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, that's a good good, So So it's not, humility isn't weak. It's not being a doormat. It's not having poor self-esteem or lacking confidence. It's not being a pushover. It's not being timid. All of these things that we associate with with humility. Here's how I know we do. I I read a study and they interviewed a bunch of fifth and sixth graders Mm -hmm. and they, they were asked about humble people. 56% of them said something to the effect of humble people are embarrassed, sad, lonely, or shy. <laughs> yeah, those are all kind of sad. Yeah, those things. are all those, like, are all, those all fall into the weakness category. Those don't right. sound like yeah, strong leaders. So, and when adults were asked to share an experience of humility, they always told an experience of being publicly humiliated. Hmm. <laughs> Do you see how we associate right. that? Right. Right? <laughs> right. And it's probably why there's a great quote by Muhammad Ali, who you know was a, a character. Mm-hmm. He, he said, "It's hard to be humble when you're as great as I am." <laughs> right. You know. You can kind of picture Muhammad Ali right. saying oh, for sure. that. For sure. But but the reality is, is you can be both humble and confident. The problem is, is when confidence begins to serve the ego. Ego is the differentiator, okay. right? When confidence starts to serve the ego, now you're entering arrogance. Okay. That's a good When it's about the ego. Phrase. But when confidence is serving the organization, the, the goal of the many, now you can be humble and maintain that confidence. Here's the here's the quote I'll use that that I think helps me understand humility the best. It's okay. a Rick Warren, I think he's a mega pastor here in Southern California. Uh some book he wrote that I don't remember what the book is called, <laughs> but he, but he says this. He said humility is not thinking less of yourself, which is all those examples I just gave, right? Are right. thinking less of yourself. Right. He said humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. <laughs> that's a great, right? Yeah, that's a great phrase. So, so when I'm making decisions and I'm, they might be tough decisions and hard decisions, but I've decisions I'm making with confidence. If I'm making them about me and enriching myself and benefiting myself, mm-hmm. that might be done out of pride and arrogance. But if I'm doing it for the betterment of those around me, the organization mm-hmm. as a whole, that can be uh, you know, a sign of humility. So, so again, I, I, I'd say too that that people that are low in humility and high in arrogance, you can tell because they tend to overreact during conflicts. They they retrench, they mm-hmm. dig in, and they fight because it becomes about them being right, as opposed to. I said this in a in a prior podcast when we talked about healthy conflict. Mm-hmm. I've always said that healthy conflict is the passionate pursuit of truth, void of ego. You can have that passionate pursuit of truth right. and humility. Right. Just have to get just, rid, just of, get rid ego. of ego. Yeah. So that's I thought that was a great description, and that that makes a ton of sense to me. Um, could you help me understand that in action, though? So what what would humble leadership actually? Yeah. Look like? So I I was looking up. I, I found an article on this. That there was a UK a United Kingdom food delivery service, and they were. You know, as businesses do, they were pushing for better costs and delivery times, and and yet at the same time, when they were pushing for these better metrics. The performance was dipping. 
So each week, managers are meeting with their teams and they're doing debriefs with their drivers. And they they went through a list of problems, complaints and errors. And, and hey, you've got to do this better. And we're making this mistake. And this is a problem. And I think, yeah, this is what leaders do, right? You got to point out right. the weaknesses. The drivers started to become resentful. What the leaders were doing is they were trying to squeeze the most out of their their people. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a there's a video that I show with Simon Sinek, and and he and he says, you know, he's asked all the question. How I'll, he's often asked the question, how can I get the most out of my people? And he says they're not they're not rags. We don't squeeze <laughs> them for <laughs> right. as much as the right. reality is. Is how do we create the environment so the best them shows up? Right. That's right. A great description. And and so. Uh, what they decided to do was change tactics. They, yeah. they were thinking about themselves. They, they were thinking, how can we get others to get us better results so that we can be more successful? So instead, they switched it. They made one small change. This is not going to sound like rocket science okay. to you. I'm ready. All right. It's Rather than in telling, telling the employees how to do their jobs better, they said, how can we help you do your jobs better? And then they listened my brain just exploded. <laughs> how can we help you do your jobs better? And and then they just listen, wow. right? Uh, so in their weekly meetings with the drivers, they, they decided to try this new approach. And instead of nitpicking problems, each manager was trained to simply ask their drivers, how can I help you deliver excellent service? Hmm. Now, as you can imagine at first, Tons of skepticism, <laughs> right. right? Okay, what do you, you know? What, what new tactic are you trying on us now? What's the what's, what's different the catch, strokes? Right? What are you talking about, Willis? Right? Were you ever on that show, Ryan? Uh, unfortunately, no. Are we, no. We're going to talk about blast from the past. Yeah, uh, card no. sharks. Is yeah. anybody seem familiar no. with card That's, sharks? All right. <laughs> anybody doesn't know Ryan was a star on Punky uh, Brewster. Uh, uh, Clayton Christensen uh, was was. Uh, were you twelve or eleven when you were on card thir- sharks? And, and if you email me, I can send you the right. YouTube link to it. So, all right. So there was this huge skepticism, right? They're staring at these leaders and they're saying, "Yeah." Yeah, why are you asking me this? The dislike of the managers was high, right? Trust was low, but the leaders kept asking, how can we help you do a great job? How can we help you deliver excellent service? Mm -hmm. It's it's a more humble approach. I want to help you. Tell me what you need. How can I help you be more on time? How can I help you Mm -hmm. achieve these results? Uh, Again, leaders are much less responsible for the results. They're responsible for their people and their people are responsible for the results. And they're saying, how can we help you get those results? Right. So um, some of the drivers started to offer suggestions. (laughs) Right. And here's they would implement what the drivers asked for and they would give credit to the drivers for their ideas. And the drivers saw these ideas put into practice. Right, that's awesome. And then they grew more willing to offer more ideas, which made the department managers more impressed and more respectful, <laughs> making them reach out more, right? I mean, right, right. And, and and then more people were saying, well, I've got an idea too. And some of them weren't great. You know, they had to, they right, had to debate right. them and but but they developed innovations that helped the company deliver better customer service. Mm. All with that, how can I help you be more effective in your job or more effectively get results? And that's what our model is, right? right. In, in, in our organization, we move authority to where the information is. And, and you as leaders tend to appreciate that. You like having the ability to decide right. and make decisions. So would your people. Don't let the model die with you, right? The the manager in this case, I just want to read this quote. The manager said, we thought we knew our delivery people, but we've realized that there was a lot we were missing. 
Our weekly customer meetings are now more interactive and the conversations are more honest. And then he said, we just saw these amazing changes. Yeah, I thought that was a great example of, of seeing that sort of level five leader philosophy played out in the real world. That was that was awesome. Thank you. So if I am a leader then who who wants to lead more humbly, um, like what are you suggesting I actually do? Yeah, you, like know, you said it is it is it is hard. It's funny. I was out in Bandera uh, just a, a month or so ago and, and I was speaking at their annual meeting and, and uh, I was talking about this. And by the time I got to the, okay, so how do we do it? Somebody held up a sign in the back saying, I have five minutes. So I, <laughs> so I did this whole training where we talked about the why, and then I gave a conclusion. And they're like, okay, well, I know I'm supposed to be more humble as a leader. No idea how to do it. So this is the meat All that right. you guys in Bandera missed. And, and, and this is by no means a comprehensive list, right? But, right? but here are some things that you can do to practice your humility and leadership. Perfect. Number one. Humble leaders are really good at giving others credit. Okay. They are really good. It, this is one of the greatest signs that they say. It's you think specifically and you mean it. You say, hey, you really did a great job on this and I loved how you did it this way. Remember, I've said this in a past podcast, a Gallup study that said 83% of leaders think that they give an adequate amount of positive praise or mm -hmm. credit. We'll mm -hmm. call that credit. 17% of employees think that they receive an adequate amount of positive praise. So there's a real disconnect. That's a huge disconnect. Right? But it's the most powerful tool in a leader's tool chest. I know I say that phrase a lot. It's free. It's easy. It's something that we need to learn to use. Right. Humble leaders give credit and they give it genuinely. The opposite of that is the tortured genius, right? The the one that they take the credit when when things are going well. Right. Boy, my leadership really has done. <laughs> even if they don't, even if they don't say that outright, right. they think, you think it. it. And you can, if you're you thinking it, it yeah. you're missing the point, right? Right. 100%, 100%. And 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 again, those those are the tortured geniuses. Okay, so that's number one. Humble yeah. leaders give others credit. This next one has some subsets, but humble leaders are vulnerable. Okay. And what I mean by vulnerable. They're their real selves. They're not trying to act like somebody that they're not. They're not pre pretending to be good at things that they're not. Mm -hmm. They're not acting like a leader. Right. They're just right. themselves. And by the way, those jobs are miserable. When you have to act like somebody else that you're not, <laughs> right. I, I've right. done that. Right. Likewise. I've been miserable in those jobs. Yeah. When I can just be myself uh, and, and I don't have to flip a switch and turn on and go into job mode. I, I just enjoy. So, so ways to be vulnerable. And, and this is, this is a big one that multiple studies have concluded that this is the hallmark of a humble leader, okay. a vulnerable, humble leader will admit mistakes. Okay. Guys, I was wrong. <laughs> I'm gonna, everyone repeat that phrase right now. God. Learn to be good at saying that phrase. Right. Hey, how I responded in that meeting, that wasn't right. Yeah. How I talked to you the other day, I should not have done that. Even how I felt towards this or, you know, all these things, I was wrong. And, and if you can sort of create that culture of being, it's okay to admit mistakes, mm -hmm. then they will. Then you'll have your people coming to you and saying, hey, I made a mistake instead of sweeping it under the rug, right. which is the scary thing, right? Okay. So that's one aspect. A, a vulnerable leader admits mistakes. A vulnerable leader is very teachable and actually desires feedback. Now, I don't know that I desire feedback. <laughs> I know feedback is good for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm to that point in okay. this little scale, right? <laughs> okay. That's a very honest answer. Uh, but, Thank you. But a humble leader 
They know it helps them improve as a leader. And and because of this, they're really good listeners. Mm -hmm. They're not rolling their eyes and thinking, okay, that's Mm -hmm. your opinion, but you obviously don't know what you're talking about. They're really good listeners because they know there's genius around them. They ask questions. And they're sincerely interested in the answers, right? They mm-hmm. they have the humility to ask, you know, from your perspective, what could I be doing better? Mm-hmm. And they have the humility to accept the answer. That's that's hard to do. That's I think hard. I have the humility to ask. <laughs> it's harder to accept. And the then answer. I hear the answer. And I'm like, eh, you're I, wrong. I I I I, <laughs> I can see myself struggling with that one as well, Clayton. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, unfortunately, despite the fact that I'm the expert in humility <laughs> for this podcast, you're welcome, world. Uh, so, all right. So, so they, uh, a vulnerable leader admits mistakes. They're teachable. They desire feedback. Okay. And the other thing is they, they listen to understand first, something that I, I sometimes am not good at. Mm. I listen to respond. Yeah. That's uh, I fall, I fall into that category way too often yeah. as well. But if you listen to understand one of my first, my, my second DON, first DON that I had hired, mm. you know, I'm 25 years old and she came in and she was just talking to me and this, and and I started responding and she's like, click, click. She's like, let me help you out. I know you're a new leader, right? And she was and 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 she just said, look, I just I need you to hear me. Right. And and it was a real eye-opener that yeah, I wasn't listening to understand first, right? Mm-hmm. But Stephen Covey's one of one of his seven habits, uh, uh seek first to understand, then to be understood. Mm-hmm. But we've got to seek first to understand. Uh, yeah. kind of reminds me of that funny video. It's not about the nail. Have you uh, ever seen that? Where there's a there's a lady that has a nail in her head, and and the guy just she's like, I've got this pain okay, in I my head, that, yeah. and and he's like, he just wants to solve the problem, <laughs> right. and she's like, I just need you to listen to me, and he's like, I think you just need me to solve your problem, and it's yeah. it's sort of that whole uh, you know debate. Okay, so that's being a vulnerable leader, right? And so those three things, be willing to admit mistakes, being teachable and desiring feedback and, and uh, you know, listening to understand first, that's all to me sort of falls under vulnerability. Right. Okay. So then the third one is humble leaders are really good at being transparent. And there's there's different things. Look, if, if you're struggling to be transparent in your job, I have a hard time trusting you. Right. Right. There's something that you're hiding. Right. But a humble leader, a vulnerable leader, they, they don't have things to hide. Right. We've already said we admit mistakes. We've already said that we're, you know, what, what was the, the they're giving others credit. But if you're transparent, you're going to be accessible. What does that mean? If I'm running a skilled nursing facility, I'm out on the floor. Right. If I'm running a, a transportation company, I'm with my people. I'm letting them ask questions. I'm 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 admitting where I don't know the answers to those questions, and that's not going to stress me out because I'm being vulnerable. Right. That only stresses me out when I'm not being vulnerable, right? If you're in your office a lot and you're not accessible, then you're not being transparent. They share their stresses. And the questions, hey, guys, we're struggling with our turnover. Right. What do we need to right. do? Hey, guys, we're we're struggling to build our business. We're, we're not the referral sources don't want to use us. What do we need to change? They're very transparent. And and, okay. and, and that sort of leads into the next one, that they're really good at sharing information. Hmm. This is where we are. This is this is what our metrics are. This is what our net income is. Yeah, we're doing very poorly or we're doing very well. I'm going to share that information with you because it's our organization. It's not mine, right? I'm it's, nodding it's my head ours. again. No, that makes a ton of sense. And so that that sharing of information really has a lot to do with with humility. And and then the last one I'll say on this too is 
It's, you know, a humble leader is transparent. One of the ways you know that someone is transparent is if they speak authentically. Hmm. They don't sugarcoat it. Yeah, we're struggling, but it's okay. Everything's going to mm-hmm. be... No, right. guys, we're struggling. And we need to fix this. If we don't fix this within three months' time, this is going to be a problem. You're not trying to please others or to look good in front of their peers or, you know, you're you're not worried about a great reputation. I've, I've had people try to manipulate reports to make things look better. That's not transparent. Right. That's right. not humble. You're manipulating that because you want the ego to be served. Right. Right. Right? And so I... Really, of all those things, you you and there's more, obviously, but you really need to figure out which of those things you need to improve on and and just make those changes. Yeah, whenever we we do these, or I'm listening to them, and or going to one of your trainings, and when we get into the weeds like this, it, it it's 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 always a very humbling experience for me because I recognize so yeah. many things. I <laughs> I mean, if you with, don't get better, if at you and, don't, you're probably not being honest. Like, there's no. all these things we need. There's a couple books that have just made me feel so guilty. The first is leadership and self deception. <laughs> That one is, uh, it's just hard to get through. It's so guilty feeling. And the other one is multipliers. Like I read and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm such a diminisher. It's terrible. Yeah. I actually had forced myself to use the chip technique from multipliers in a few meetings to (laughs) play your poker chips. To play my poker chips. Um, well, that, that, that was great. Thank you. What, what what then does a humble leader look like when they're really practicing those things? Do you know, um, you know who Richard Branson is, right? He recently, he's a new astronaut, right? He just recently went to space. Uh, and, and. He's um, is interesting. He he. I, I learned this when I was running a facility. He used to be the taxi driver that would bring the people interviewing with him to him. So he would disguise <laughs> himself awesome. as a taxi driver because his thing was he wanted to know how people treated the taxi driver, right. not the CEO of right. an organization. That's rad, right? And so. But I, I found this article and one employee was interviewed, somebody that worked with uh, one of his conglomerates. He has a lot of different companies. And and she was asked if he's met him. And here's her response. Quote, she said, yes, and he's the most wonderful man I've ever met in my life. And I hope her husband doesn't <laughs> I, read this. Right, totally. But, uh, you know, she says, yeah, shortly after, and th- th- she goes on to tell the story. Shortly after Mr. Branson bought this hotel, he made an appointment to see the hotel manager. On arrival, the first person he met was Mary, who happened to be cleaning the carpet at the time. And Mary is the person, this employee that they're mm-hmm. talking to. She knew who he was, of course, and, and said, oh, you'll be wanting to see the manager. And here's his reply. Yes, but tell me about yourself first. Hmm. He spent 20 minutes with Mary before keeping his appointment with the manager. He spent all day at the hotel spending at least 20 minutes with each member of the staff from, you know, the manager to the lady who cleaned the toilets. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing that's more amazing. Six months later, Branson pays another visit to the hotel. Now, Mary had been promoted to receptionist. She was in a different position. But he recognized her immediately and addressed her by name. Not only that. He remembered, and this is her, she said, he remembered that I had a little girl and what her name was and that she was about to have her tonsils removed. And he wanted to know if she was all right. And he was like that with every member of the staff. That's crazy. Now, here's the thing, too. Here's, Mm -hmm. She said, this wasn't about him having a good memory. I don't think he has that. I think he went back and wrote down a lot of notes after his first visit and spent a lot of time reading them over again. You know, again and again before the second visit, that would have been time consuming, but it shows the importance. See, I just say, well, I'm just not good with people's names. Mm -hmm. 
I'm not. It's, uh, yeah, I make it similarly, but I don't so the do I make an it. effort? Yeah. I mean, one of the ways I yeah. will praise Christopher on this is I don't think he's naturally good with names either, mm-hmm. but he is. <laughs> he takes because the time he makes the effort. Be good at he, it, yeah. he he does this practice where he's he focuses and 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 commits to memory and you know it's time consuming, but it places the importance on human relationships, irrespective of title. Yeah. Right. That's humility. And, and and she said this. She said, everyone I've met who knows Richard Branson personally has told me the same thing, that he's the most wonderful person in the world to work for. So, you know, what, what do they, what does a humble leader do? They take time with people and they respect and care about each one regardless of their position. They, they realize that everyone is a key part of this and it's not about them as the leader. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's really good. Um, how do I check myself to know if I'm at least trying to be a humble person? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's uh, hard to. <laughs> you know, I, I've I created. I'm just I'm just gonna throw in some of these here. I, it's sort of like a personal humility assessment. I tend to ask okay. questions. You know, made me feel more guilty, and I've asked a couple of them already. So so ask yourself how you would respond to these situations. Okay, you've worked hard on a project all night. Like real, you've, you've, we've all had that experience. Sure. You've worked on something, you bring it in, a coworker tells you the next day you didn't do a very good job or you did it wrong. Mm-hmm. How do you feel, <clears throat> right? So, so there's there's a check there that you have to. You have no idea the effort <laughs> I, I put into this, or, or you or do you desire that feedback? Right. Thank you so right. much for telling me that this was pathetic and horrible, <laughs> right. and right. I thank you so much. Right, right, <laughs> right. Uh, what about that same scenario? That this is sort of the question we already went through. You've worked hard all night and it turns out great. And now you're in a company meeting and somebody says, Wow, this is amazing. Great job, Connor. Right. Again. Again. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Like that's hard for me for because sure. my ego is being tested. For sure. If if I'm completely humble, I don't care who gets the credit. Right. Right. It's the it's the, uh, the, the the president that said, and I, I'm, of course, blanking on his name now. And this quote's been attributed to so many different people. You can accomplish anything in life as long as you don't care who gets the credit. Right. 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 And I think, oh, OK, well, I'm that way. And then I realized, no, I do care about I didn't get the credit there. That kind of bugs yeah. me. Yeah. OK, here's another one. OK. You receive really hard feedback from somebody and you thought the person was wrong. You know, how, mm. how, how do you handle that? Okay. What about if the person giving you that feedback struggles even more than you do? These are, these are terrible questions, Clayton. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because you, no, you want to sure. say, oh, you're one to talk, right? That's, <laughs> what the, can, that's how the ego right. wants to respond. For sure. The humble person responds with, thank you. This is valuable for me. And, yeah. you know, and, and they don't just say that. They think it. I can say it. I'm good at saying right. it. No, I like you had mentioned er, er, earlier about the the being being genuine nature to that. Yeah, it's, so got to be real. People aren't, and I don't know. Maybe maybe we need to fake it till we make it. But uh, but but we it needs to be genuine. Yeah. Okay, think about this one. Okay. You leave a job or an operation or a building or or whatever, and and the person that replaces you makes it a lot better. <laughs> okay, you should be okay. happy, right? Yes, you should be. You should, should be, happy. be. You should be. Yes. If that tugs at your ego, what about you leave same operation okay. and they make it a lot worse? Things go way. Well, does that make you happy? That makes an ego happy. Okay, that is a yeah. That's a great but, question. But but what did I say before that you would just, just identified our level fourness, right? For sure. You find out that a coworker made a bigger bonus than you did. Okay, that's a that's a great one. You that can, is very the ego humble person based. is happy for them, right? <laughs> right. 
uh, even though we Absolutely shouldn't be finding right. those things out anyway. And then the last question I guess I'd ask is, how well do you really listen to other people when you disagree with them? And I, and I think we've sort of talked about that mm-hmm. where I listen to respond mm-hmm. and I need to learn how to listen to understand. And I feel like if I'm actually listening to understand, I I may still not be listening if I start disagreeing. That's yeah, a, yeah you, it's hard. As soon as you think, right. oh, no, you just said right. something wrong. Now I'm, I'll abide my right. time, let you finish, <laughs> right. and then I'm going to tell you right. why you're wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That's, that's the best oh, level of listening I've done without what's going on. cutting them off. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, thank you. I think, um, no, no, thank you. Honestly, uh, now I, I we think, are all I think, humble. I think, no, that's a, everyone. that's, that's a great list. Um, and, and real practical sort of assessment tools I can use. Thank you. Uh, any, any kind of final words on the subject? Yeah. You know, there's a book by uh, Patrick Lencioni called the ideal team player. Mm-hmm. Any, any, he says the people that you really want to find their three things, they're humble, hungry, and smart. Okay. But he also says the most important of those three is humble. Okay. He, he he does this practice where he says if you have two of them and remove one, you you have particular people. So so okay. if you're if you are um, someone that is uh, hungry and smart, okay, um, but not humble, then you're a skillful politician. Okay. And he said okay. that's the most dangerous person. Okay. The skillful politician gets places right. and they leave a bunch of dead bodies <laughs> right. in their wake. <laughs> right. right. He says, if you are humble and humble, but also a hard worker, but you're not smart, you're an accidental mess maker. Okay. <laughs> right. Okay. But if you're not smart. Right. You're a lovable slacker. <laughs> or excuse me, if you if, if you don't the have the, way, right? the drive, right? The, the, hunger. The, the hunger. Sorry, I mixed those up. So so you have skillful politician that lacks humility. You have the lovable slacker that lacks the hunger. And you have the accidental mess maker that lacks the smarts, that, that lacks the smarts Got right? It. Got it. Okay. But he says of all of those, the most dangerous one, he says, you don't want to be any of those. But of all of those, the most dangerous one is the skillful politician. Look, remember, none of us are naturally humble. You you have to work at it. You have to fight the ego. It takes effort. It's it's not just going to happen. You have to choose humility, mm-hmm. right? And that's not easy because the ego wants to be fed. But, you know, when people ask me, what do I think is the most important characteristic of our strongest leaders? Mm-hmm. I always say, look, it can't be alone. But I think it's humility. Hmm. I think humility is is such a, a strength in great leaders. No, that, that was that was a great thought, and and really thank you for going through the subject with me today. I, I know I personally am taking away a, a, a number of things. So I want I to need see to you more humble on. from now on. I will do. I will be the most humble person you've ever seen in your entire life, Clayton. But like Muhammad Ali, humble <laughs> when you're as great as I am. <laughs> thank you very much. All right, thanks.